0: Hello, welcome to North Valley Church's Sermon Podcast. We are in a series titled Worship to Please God. If you would like more information on North Valley Church or our sermon podcast, you can find us on our website, nvcmd.org. Good morning again. So part of what it is that that things I've done on my way um, to where I am today is I have used to go on mission trips. We haven't organized any of those here at North Valley yet, but it's on our things that we're looking forward to do. So I've been on mission trips. I've been to... Um, um, when Katrina went through New Orleans, I went down there, helped out folks. Um, there, We've done some Appalachian-based ministry trips just to go help people who were in Pikeville, Kentucky, to help them out with repairs that they just needed to be done. And so these organizations would put a week together and help out folks who were in need. One of my trips to Pikeville, we had this lady who just needed a roof in some Repairs done to her bathroom, so a group of us show up there and we're working on on the uh, on the roof. It's the early days of of making it go, <clears throat> and my nephew had come along. my My nephew's name is Josh. He was about um, nineteen, twenty years old at the age, and he had never really got on the roof, but he was nineteen, courageous. He was he was excited about getting out and trying new things. So. We had him up on the roof, and we were doing stuff, and I guess there were some repairs, so we had some plywood on the roof. And while we were up on the roof with the plywood, my my nephew, inexperienced, he starts walking along the plywood on the roof. While he's walking along the plywood on the roof, it starts to slide down the roof. And my nephew, out of sheer moment of how to survive... He sort of starts to get down on all fours, and he's going like this as fast as he can to try and get the plywood down so that he could be on solid roof again. And there's a handful of us witnessing this um, on on the ground. It was probably dangerous, but dang entertaining at the moment it was doing. So afterwards, we're all like, wow, Catman. So my nephew, for the rest of the trip, had a nickname, Catman. We offered him saucers of milk for lunch. He, he wasn't overly excited about the nickname. But man, ad- mission trips can be adventures. When you get engaged and you're doing stuff, we were able to replace a roof. We... We fixed this lady's bathroom, and she was super appreciative. We presented her with a Bible when we were done for the week, and we prayed for her. It's a really cool thing to be part of that and and see all those things come to a cool conclusion. But there's this moment on the mission trip when everybody shows up, and everyone's standing at the site, the team that you're with, and you're just kind of like, okay, we're here. What are we supposed to do? Right? There's this moment, this lag, because we're looking for making sure that we got the materials. The person who does know what's supposed to be going on, that wasn't me. Making sure we had the materials, who was going to do what. We did some gardening along with it. But there's this moment when the team is there and we're expectant, but nothing is happening. Because we haven't been able to answer the question, what are we doing and why are we here? I have repeated that question here for North Valley Church. When we get to things, sometimes we just need to take a check and check with ourselves and with God and with the team. If we're serving on a team, what are we doing and why are we here? As I was working through this series that we're in on worship to please God, it just seemed to me that it would be useful and helpful to just simply answer the question, what are we doing and why are we here? So I'm going to take a moment and walk through those things. This is not, so I'm just going to be transparent, this is not necessarily a theological, thorough exegesis of all the things there is to say about worship. This is, from North Valley Church's perspective perspective, When we gather on Sunday morning, what are we doing and why are we here? And I'm just going to confess, as I did that, I realized, oops, we've been missing something. The value of just simply stopping and asking ourselves, what are we doing and why are we here? as you wrestle with the answer to those questions there's clarity sometimes you get stuck on making a decision is this the right thing should i go this way should i go that way sometimes it's worth just taking two steps back and asking what are we doing and why are we here and when you get clarity in those answers it it clarity to the answers of those questions everything else starts to fall into place so this morning i am going to simply just talk about what are we doing and why are we here? Nia's prayer this morning was being able to worship God, not just here, but in other places. And we talked about that some last week in spirit and in truth. And that that is something that needs to happen all the time. That when I'm worshiping God, I need to make sure I have the Holy Spirit and I'm operating in truth. But this morning, I do want to focus in on what happens from 1030 to 1140. Are, are we all in the same page or the same mindset? And are we all shooting for the same thing? And I'm just being honest with you, we've been missing the mark. And this week we're going to talk about it. Next week we'll do a little repair and see if we can't move into a place that I'm hoping would be more pleasing to God. So as I wrestled with the answer to the question, what are we doing? Why are we here? I came up with five items. And this is where, if you're looking at your paper outline, you've got four, but we're going to do five. What are we doing? Why are we here for North Valley Church during our corporate worship time? We proclaim God's word. That has four. Dang. Okay, just take notes. <clears throat> We proclaim God's Word. That is one of the things central to what it is that we do at North Valley Church. So not only is the paper outlined, but your slides are missing it too. All right, I will walk you through it. We pray worship-based prayers. We proclaim God's Word. We pray worship-based. We praise God in song if you're note taking and paying attention, the next one would be we observe ordinances. And I will explain what observe ordinances is when we get to later in the sermon. And we give to honor God. So if you're following along, heads up, I'm just shooting the flare to be obvious. Giving to honor God is the place I have been convicted that we've been dropping the ball. And so I'm gonna. When we get to the latter part of the sermon, we'll address that bullet. So I'm simply. So you've got. I've told Curtis you're gonna to have to follow along. There's a lot of big slides with big words because this isn't really a sermon. This is really five mini sermons in one. So we're just gonna start hammering through some of these bullets. Proclaiming God's word. I want to just step into the book of Nehemiah for a moment, and I want to set this up. We're gonna read a little picture. Of a narrative of something that happened in the book of Nehemiah. In the book of Nehemiah, from the history of Israel, they had been in exile for 70 years. Jews started coming back to rebuild the temple, rebuild the wall. So the temple is rebuilt. Maybe not to its full glory, but they've been working on the temple, they have a temple. That was Ezra coming back. Nehemiah comes back. He starts rebuilding the wall. So the wall of Jerusalem is now up. In those days, to protect the place where you live, so you can live in security, your city needed to have a wall around it. So you could rebuild a temple, but nobody felt safe living in the city because there wasn't a wall. So it's the end of a 70-year exile. Jews are finally starting to come back. They've got the temple. They've got the wall, and it's time to Party and thank God. We are going to step into Nehemiah um, chapter 8. Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood Mathetiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Masaiah. And on his left were Padiah, Mishael, Milcahja, Hisham, Hashbadana, otherwise Banana, Zachariah, and Meshulam. So, setting the stage, Ezra is on a big, big platform. Everyone he's he's surrounded, flanked left and right with other l- leaders. Verse five: Ezra, Ezra opened the book. This is, this is a beautiful picture. Hang with me for this. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because it was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Take a look at that picture for a moment. These people are worshiping God. The only thing going on is Ezra's going to read the Word of God. There's no music. There's no offerings. There's no special ceremonies. They are on their faces on the ground because they are about to hear God's Word read and explained to them. That's the imprimacy and importance that God's Word ought to have for us as well. Continuing on. The Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Ecub, Shabbatiah, Hodiah, Messiah, and Kelta, Am, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, and Pelaiah. Instructed the people in the law while they were standing there. So Ezra would get up and read what God's word said, and then there were folks who would help explain it so that they could understand it. They were preaching. Side note for these people who were enthralled by God's word, they stood for the whole sermon. No, I'm not hearing any buy-in on that, am I? (laughs) Take out the comfy chairs, Dan. But I want you to catch how big a deal this was for them. This was important. Finishing up the passage. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Simply proclaiming the Word of God is worship. We can see it demonstrated here. And I would hope that we would start to grasp that for what it is that we do on Sunday morning. I'm going to say something more than proclaiming the Word of God is worship full. Proclaiming the Word of God is why we're even here. If you strip this out. We would lose all the purpose and reason that we would even gather together on a Sunday morning. I mean, I love the bands. It would be fun to do that once in a while. But if we stopped focusing on God's Word, His Spirit would stop pulling and yanking on our hearts and minds, and we would lose the passion and reason of why we even gather together. That's how central God's Word is to what it is that we do On Sunday morning. Everything else hangs off of proclaiming God's word. That is honest to goodness why we're here. It's our opportunity to to receive truth, not just for individually, where I can go home and read and study my Bible, but there's something of value when we do that with other people, that there's a creation of unity that happens when we're all learning in the same place and hearing the same words. You don't even have to completely agree with everything I say. But if you're all hearing it at the same time, you at least know what unity would look like to be part of your faith community. It's just that important. It's the moment when we get to hear for us when we proclaim God's word. The, the, the top notch is that we live in the New Testament, that we know who Jesus is, that we know that Jesus was a person. He was a man. And he was Jesus of Nazareth up until he was crucified on the cross to pay the price for our sins. And when he rose three days later, he demonstrated, I'm not just an ordinary guy. I'm not just Jesus of Nazareth. I'm also Jesus, the Son of God. I'm also Jesus, your Messiah. And when we gather those truths, realize our need For a Savior, because left to our own devices, we mess up our lives. That's my testimony. Jesus offers us comfort and healing, guidance and strength to do the things that He knows are good for us. To be able to know His will and to follow it. It, It's nothing like it in the world. To be in that place where you're doing God's will. You're doing the thing you're supposed to be doing in that moment. There's nothing like it. That's our opportunity to lean and move in that direction corporately, together. We're not just doing it as Lone Ranger Christians. There's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. We get to do it as a community, as a group. If you've never come to terms with that before today, and you're starting to realize, man, maybe maybe there's something about this worship and who Jesus is and what I can be doing in my life and how he can be living in and through me, if there's something pulling on your heart today about that man take a moment and listen to what god might be whispering to you afterwards if if you think you've got some questions or you're ready to say i think i want to i want to join the body of christ by becoming a follower of jesus if that's you today man please come talk to me after the service we can pack a few christmas lights knock over a tree and Talk about the next steps of what it is to be able to know the truth and know who Jesus is. If you've never done that today, please think about making that happen today. Proclaiming God's Word is central and essential to what we do on a Sunday morning. Quite naturally, throughout our service, we take moments and we pray. Not only do we pray, but we pray worship-based prayers. As we pray worship-based prayers, a couple of months ago, we did a sermon series, um, Praying to Seek God's Face. Help me out, Curtis we did a sermon series called Praying to Seek God's Face. And we talked about, in that series in September, we talked about the fact that sometimes when we pray, we kind of get focused on the wrong thing. It's not that we can't show up with our needs, but when our prayers become simply listing all the things we want from God, our prayers are really focused on us. They're not focused on God. So we took four weeks in September and walked through what that means, what that looks like. What would it be if I just prayed to seek God's face? In in Psalm 27, it says, My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. So I don't think I need to spend a lot of time on this today. Because like I said, in September, we all walked through that. But I want us to be mindful in the moments when we're praying on Sunday morning. While we may lift a need up to God, our prayers need to start with, I'm focused on Him first. That's part of the reason that we bring Scripture into Sunday morning. So as we worship and as we pray, it's all based around the truth that we find in God's Word. And that's what our prayer in a worship-based format looks like. So be mindful of that. I hope that you do that at home. But certainly on Sunday morning, I would like for us to think that we do worship God-focused prayer. Not only do we pray, but we praise God in song. Quite natural, right? So when we say worship in church, our minds just naturally go, oh, it's the music. That's the worship time. There's worship time, and then there's other thing. I have to listen to the pastor. I have to endure a half hour of that so that I can get to the worship part. Actually, all of Sunday morning, from 10.30 to 11.40, everything we do is focused and glorifying God and worship. But mm, there is something special about the music part and worshiping God in song. I just want to take a moment and step into Psalm 150. This, this, this Psalm starts with answering the question, what are we doing and why are we here? Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His high heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Greatness. This psalm just starts out, we praise God in song because he's worth it. He's worthy, and he's deserving of our praise. And while we, we worship him in other ways, song is included, and we worship him because of who he is. That's the why of why we're here. Continuing on with the psalm in verse 3. We introduce the band. Hey, you should praise God with a band. We praise Him with sounding trumpet. Praise Him with harp and lyre. Praise Him with tremble and dancing. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Music, band. The psalmist is saying, man, if you're going to praise God, bring the, bring the band. Play, make music. Sing words. Wrapping the psalm up in verse 5 and 6. We're gonna hang out here just for a second. Praise him with the clash of symbols, praise him with resounding symbols. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Hang in there, Curtis. So I want you to think for a moment. A real life symbol, right? Anybody been in marching band in high school, right? Usually there's somebody that's got this job. You ever stood beside that person? Yeah. It's loud. It's loud. Praise him with the clash of loud. I hesitate to say this in front of my sound team, but it's God's word. Praise God with the clash of symbols, resounding symbols. Do it and be willing to do it loud. So I know we struggle with volume. Some of us struggle with volume and it it, it in um Activates our anxiety. I've got I've got earplugs that I have given to adults Here in our worship service to help them navigate the fact that the music gets kind of loud and For the two people I've given them to they both have said wow. This is works. This is good. Thank you So we can help you with the loud, but to some degree the loud is because it helps us get to where it is We want to be praising God and there's actually encouragement in Psalm 150, do it loud. Within reason, no blood. God said it, I'm doing it. Yes. <laughs> Praise God in song. There's something about music that impacts us differently than other things. Right? I can talk for 35 minutes on a Sunday morning. When you walk out that door, you won't remember a word I said. But in the car on the way home, you'll be humming one of the worship songs. It, that's just truth. I want you to think about that for a moment. Why is that? Why does music stick to me? We are created beings. We were created for music. Music has something. When, when the drummer gets going and we hear a beat, we, we start tapping our foot. It draws us in. Well, I like to listen to classical music. When the orchestra swells and has a powerful crescendo, it draws my heart into the moment. Music impacts our minds. It impacts our hearts. It draws our souls. It makes our feet move. We are built to worship God. We are built for music. Now I want you to think about it. We are built for music, and we could look at it as though, wow, I'm built for music, so it's a cool, way to, cool thing to do on Sunday morning. What if we reversed the perspective what if we were created for music so that we could worship God? We're created for music. When God put that in us, he did that so that he could, we could worship him with the music. Worship is a part of our relationship with God. There is singing going on in heaven. They sing in the throne room of God of who God is, In Zephaniah 3.17, it describes God, when he delights in us, he sings over us. Music is all about our heavenly experience. We were built so that we could experience music with God. I want you to just take a moment and put your brain around, oh my gosh, this is right That's why it feels so cool. That's why I love the music part of what we do on Sunday morning, because I'm wired for it, and it draws me in, and God created us to do that very thing. Okay, Curtis, I just need you to hang out there for a moment. The screen says praise in song, but I am going to talk about observing ordinances, If you're a note taker, observe ordinances. I don't have, didn't have any scripture tied with this because they were kind of a, it's a one-off thing. Um, The little separate category. Ordinances is a prescribed Christian rite or ceremony. So the ordinances for the New Testament church, this applies to every church who professes to follow Jesus Christ, are two, the Lord's Supper and Baptism. So on the Lord's Supper, if you want a scripture reference, 1 Corinthians 11, um, I think 23 through 26. It's the same piece of scripture I read every time we do communion. That we exchange and have the bread and, and juice and it reminds us of the sacrifice that Christ laid for us. We are commanded by Jesus to do that. So it is an ordinance. Baptism is also an ordinance. In Matthew um, 28, 19, Jesus' final things to his disciples says, Hey, go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We are commanded to baptize believers. So we call those things ordinances of the church. And we do those on Sunday mornings. I shoot for once a month. I don't do it very well. But I shoot for once a month. And we take a moment and do communion because we were commanded to. When I have somebody enter into a relationship with Christ, I walk them through getting in the tub that's behind me because we were commanded to. We have two ordinances as part of our church. And they are part of our worship experience that we do together. Everybody would just say, okay, Dan. That was reasonably well-participated. Thank you. And then the thing that has been on my heart, we give to honor God. Giving, tithing offerings are an act of worship. It's kind of a big deal. In the, you won't see the scripture up here, but in Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, it uses the phrase, give to honor God, give from your wealth to honor God. And so I'm not going to go there today. If you would like in your devotionals, um, that is one of the devotionals for this week is Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. What I want to do is I want to give weight to why I am so burdened by this and why it's so important. When we did the first sermon for this series of worship to please God, we talked about the story of Cain and Abel and how Cain's worship was not pleasing to God. And as a result, sin overtook Cain and he ended up murdering his brother And we said misdirected worship invites sin into our door. It's from that perspective I want to hang out here with the giving to honor God for a moment. And why I feel so convicted about it being a part of our corporate worship time. We will be reading from Malachi chapter 3 in verse 8. Will a mere mort- God is speaking? Will a mere mortal rob God? See, God talks about Himself in third person too. It's okay. Any English people get what I just said? It's no. Okay. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. If you've got your outline and you're taking notes, man, underline these words. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. The weight of importance of giving from our wealth and tithes and offerings, I, reading this, it puts me under a curse. If I don't get this right, it's that important. We don't want to be doing things in the right Misdirected worship invites sin. Misdirected worship puts me under a curse. Our option is to give God and honor him with our wealth. In verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room for it. Our option is to not give from our wealth, be under the curse, or to give from our wealth and be poured on by God. Me choosing that one. Besides choosing that one, you know what? I own a responsibility to help us make sure we're doing this corporately. So let me say, we live in a technology world, and we like the fact that we don't pass the offering. you got a little basket. Today, if you feel like dropping something in a basket, you can walk out with a free dum-dum lollipop. So we, we reward what we do. Whatever, that was a joke. Is anybody following me here? We give with this nearly, I'm just looking at the giving numbers, the way it works, 80% of us give with this, and we don't do it on Sundays. Sometimes we do it on Sundays, but we do it throughout the week, and it's detached from what it is that we do corporately, although it's a corporate act of worship, We've allowed it to be detached from what we do on Sunday morning. We like the fact that the offering basket's back there. I could pass it around, but nobody puts anything in it, so there's no point, because we're all using this. But what we've done is we've turned it into a dutiful act, and it's no longer, I believe, a spiritual act of corporate worship. We've missed the mark. So, my heart is to grab the rudder, and we're going to make a tiny turn. Next week, we're just simply going to carve out a moment of our Sunday morning and acknowledge through a little scripture, a little bit of prayer, and we're going to set a song aside to affirm and acknowledge to God, whatever it is I've given your church, be it through this way, through another way, through what I dropped in the basket, any of those things, is to honor and glorify you. It's my worship to you. And maybe around once a month, we'll see how that goes, but I think it'll be okay. And maybe once a month or so, we will just set aside a moment in the service to recognize we've been worshiping God corporately, but not together. Let's just take a moment and acknowledge that when we give our offering, when you press that give button, You are worshiping God. My job is to help you remember that that's happened. And we're going to do that by simply acknowledging it on a Sunday morning. So I'm not going to shake anybody down. There'll be no frisking. I'm not going to ask for your purses and wallets. We're simply going to look heavenward and go, thank you for the resources you've given us. What I've given back to you is worship to you. And I do that because I'm part of a faith community. Stay. We proclaim God's word on Sunday morning. We pray worship-based prayers. We praise in song. We observe ordinances. We give to honor God. Just take a moment this morning. This has been just, uh, what are we doing? Why are we here? Just take a moment this morning and go, how am I with this? Is, Is my heart and mind lined up so that in the times I spend together with my church, it's really worship focused on God. I'm letting you know what we're doing so that we can do it all better together. God's called us into this faith community, and we're going to worship him. I'm going to invite the band back up so that they can start, again, their part in worshiping God and leading us so that we can worship God together in song. I pray that you are able to do that. And as we think about all the things we do on Sunday morning, let us be mindful that what we do, what we say, how we act, should be focused in worshiping our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for changing the world. You came 2,000 years ago and changed everything. Lord, and you are worthy of our praise. As we gather together in a community, in a church, and acknowledge all that together, Lord, I just pray that you would help us be of one mind, one heart, one purpose, and we can help do that by knowing What are we doing and why are we here? That every moment that we spend on Sunday morning is focused on worshiping you. Help us to be mindful of that. Lord, I pray that your spirit would talk to us this morning and help us see the places where we're worshiping you. Lord, maybe help us see the places where we've been dropping the ball and that maybe we can make a change, not just in our church, Lord, make a change for ourselves so that we can be focused on you together. In Jesus' name, amen.